The following is a presentation of Muddy River News. Play is your local sports bar. With 18 big screen TVs, we have all the sports packages from college games to pro games. We offer daily drink specials and come check out the bullpen, our newly renovated beer garden. Instant Replay, 2739 Chestnut in Quincy. Hey everybody, welcome to the Daily Muddy. I'm Ashley Conrad and here with me is Megan Duncan and we are in beautiful downtown Hannibal where her new office is located. Yay, I love it so much. Oh, it's so cool. Uh, it's a beautiful day. Of course, uh, this is a this is a pool advertising, right? Sally Pool yes. Advertising yep. Agency. Yep. Her office is upstairs. I uh, can't wait to see it. I know I've seen some things on uh, social media about how happy you are to be here. So, so, so happy. I'm so excited. Soon you'll be able to see from the road that we're here. We're getting signs put up and everything like excited. that. So, yeah. so it'll be totally official. Yeah, it's All right, totally well, official. Until then, let's go in and check it out and we can talk about how happy you are to be here. Oh, so All right. The Liquor Booth is your home for a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. The Liquor Booth has two locations in Quincy, 3520 Broadway and 1500 North 12th Street. The Liquor Booth, where it's always happy hour. Okay, and here we are inside Meg's New Digs uh, in downtown Hannibal. This is just the cutest little space. Uh, I know. We did knock on the wrong door when we came in, and we hear Meg on the other side. She was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Okay, so uh, first of all, how do you like it? I love it. I love it. Good. It is amazing. So I saw on your Facebook, you posted something about, you know, how you've always been, of course, you've always been a writer at heart, and um, this office just kind of lets you, it just kind of pulls everything together for you. It does. Yeah. yeah. So when I was a kid, and on up through, my parents had a shop down, um, just down the street, mm -hmm. actually. It was my grandmother's. And then when I was in my early 20s, I lived there, um, right on the street. And then I worked at the Hannibal Courier Post as an advertising rep, and I cannot sell anything. I, yeah, I saw that. You were like, that's terrible. I was so terrible. Yeah. And there's nobody who would argue that. There's yeah. nobody who would be like, no, that's not true. No. They Even to play Kate, they're yeah. like, no, no. It was real bad. Yeah, and so a lot of times before work, I'd sit over at Becky Thatcher's, and I would write, because that's what I really wanted to do. Sure. You know, and so now, just being back on this street, well, and of course, my whole work career started at Mark Twain Dinette, so yeah. I met my husband there, so this, this street feels like home to me. Yeah. And so now, I'm back, and I'm doing what I've wanted to do my whole life, so I could not be happier. What a cool story. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that is, I got goosebumps. I'm, <laughs> Of course, I'm like, you know, I, I, I get up all my feels pretty easily, but this is a really, just a really uh, good story, and um, we love having you at Money River News, of course. Thank you. I and love being here. I'm happy that you have a home. Uh, and, and speaking of home, so you you actually live in New London. Correct. So having a place in uh, Hannibal, especially downtown, mm -hmm. probably allows you to keep a pulse on yes. happenings going down. Exactly, yes. Um, before I got an office, I was either coffee shop hopping, yeah. which is now retired, um, and or I was sitting at my house in New London. Yeah. And when things would come through, I'm like, okay, 25 minutes, jumping up, you know, and plus when you're at home, things are just harder to yeah. focus on. Well, you can't ignore the mess in the, in the corner, exactly. which is what I have. A, I struggle oh. with that all the time. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. It, That's, it's, I, well, I kind of can. I'm really... <laughs> I can too. Okay. Yeah, who, who am I kidding? Yeah, it's just the like, couch. Yeah. 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 There you are. Yeah. I love you. Um, so, but being down here, having your office, uh, you know, 
again probably keeps it gives you just uh, yeah better access it we'll does yeah. I can walk most places uh, well I can walk places anything related to here last sure. night I walked to city council there you so. go which speaking of city council there were some very interesting things uh, mm -hmm. that came out of that right there were some development yesterday which I was another time glad to be down here I was able to just you know kind of really Feel like I had a, a good focus on what was happening down here. Uh, Mayor Hark did resign yesterday. Okay. Um, he resigned effective immediately, um, and he just emailed a letter to all the powers that be um, to let them know that he would no longer continue. Okay. So. So was there were there any reasons behind that? One thing that I found interesting, of course, you know, a, a, an immediate resignation of a mayor, of course, is you know kind of. You know turns on some lights and it does. so you know brings up some questions but one thing I found interesting that I didn't know and I'm sure you know many other Quincyans may not know is um, the mayor of Hannibal is not a full-time salary position correct yes That's weird to me yeah so um, and I'm not sure when that started I can't remember but it hasn't always been that way okay we have a city manager and the city manager, that's a full-time position who manages the city. Okay. Whereas the mayor takes on more of a role as, you know, he's signing documents that need signed. And he's going down to, you know, the riverboat to greet people. Things, okay. Things like that. So he's a celebrity facilitator. He maybe. is. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, the Hark family just has always been um, in that position here in Hannibal. I mean, his dad swore him in after um, he was the mayor for... Um, 15 years okay and so it's been kind of a heart legacy do you know if it was salaried before the son was sworn in I believe that at one point it yes, was okay yes. okay um, so I think that Roy Hart was his name and I okay. believe he was full-time mayor gotcha and so city manager it seems like early 2000s is when they decided they to switch to a city manager um, type role okay. so yeah and then there's also the clerk right and so the city clerk yes. the city clerk is uh, in what, what what's her Angel name? Zerbonia. okay Zerbonia. Mm -hmm. and the, of course she's been in the news a lot in Hannibal for a long time I don't really Definitely. know the specifics yes um, but there were some questions about transparency mm -hmm. and Rules yeah, yeah. So there was an there was an email that was discovered basically, and the email went out in July, um, but wasn't discovered by like media or let out to the public until months later, um, where it was uh, Andy Dorian who at the time was resigning from his um, position as Central Services Director, okay. was, like um, Parks and Rec things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so he was leaving. And he sent out an email that ended that basically accused Zerbonia of a hostile work environment. Okay. And went out like to all the heads of the uh, Hamble City Hall. Gotcha. So after that became public, um, Zerbonia went on a paid administrative leave, and they hired an outside investigator. Okay. In other words, they didn't, they, which I thought was a, a very good idea. Sure. Um, yeah, she's worked there for. 20 plus years um, before she was city clerk okay. um, she worked there uh, I think in the collector's office and so she you know she has a long history there a lot of friends there so it makes sense that they hired that outside um, bias yeah exactly yeah. to look into it but it's been a long process I mean she's been on um, this leave since um, I believe November so well, mm -hmm. and it's paid it's paid so that's brought up a lot of questions sure. so last night at City 
council, James Lemon said they were going into closed session and they were going to discuss like the final piece of that investigation. Okay. He said the Sunshine Law requires them within 72 hours, um, of course, after they let, you know, Ms. Zerbonia know, um, to let us know if she's staying and what the results of that investigation are. So we're keeping our eye out for, um, gotcha. for that. So has anybody... Uh, corroborated, for lack of a better term, uh, Andy's, you know, his accusations, I guess. And I don't want to call them accusations because a hostile work environment can mean so many things to so many sure, different people. But sure. if he feels that way, I wonder if other people within... Actually, there was a... Now, and I didn't work here at the time, so I wasn't sure. present at that meeting, but I um, certainly have heard about it and read up about it was there was a meeting where quite a few people came in to discuss that former um, employees discussed it and said that you know that they felt it was a hostile work environment um now i for andy dorian he has not come out with a lot since then right um he did come back so he okay. actually did come back to his position um, and said that, you know, the hostile work environment was not why he left. It was just he wanted to try something new. Sure. Went to that job. And then, as a lot of people do, he discovered, you know, not hey, this is my home. I want to come back. Sure, sure. So, so do you think there's any tie between the mayor's resignation and the clerk issue? A lot of talk is going on about it being either city, um, city clerk or possibly the impeachment um Oh, with, yeah, the alderman. Or with, um, yeah, with the council member, Stephen Frump. Yeah. Because he was actually, all his charges were dropped um, on Friday. So, okay. however, um, you know, I, I did, I don't, I don't know if, of course, if that's a connection sure. with the timing. I, I know that um, Hark says that his business is expanding, that he works for, and that he has a lot of these, um, you know, work obligations that are keeping him from really doing his job um, at city council. I mean, that's what he said. He verified that with me when I went and talked to him okay. um, and everything. So now I don't know, of course. Um, I know that he has been absent from some of those uh, meetings, and I think a lot of that's just because he's had a lot going on in life. Something else really that struck me, though, was something that his um, – that's been discussed and, and his honestly his wife mentioned it on Facebook and I had thought of it myself is that you know Hart recently in so in yesterday's agenda you can get on there and you can see what everyone makes I mean you know yeah. it's all public sure Hart makes about three thousand dollars a year yeah that's insane yeah yeah so I mean now did he leave because of that maybe 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 his mental health said, hey, listen, you need to move on. I guess it depends on what kind of BS you're dealing with. I think. From people who are making substantially more than you. Yes. Right? Yeah. I think that's that's a big thing. And not that the councilmen are making more. They're not. So, no, but I'm saying other people. But would, other people, absolutely. Yeah. And then what's being expected of the job and for him to be a talking head. And I think that's hard in Hannibal um, because, you know, the Hark family, they're known for being Hannibal Connected. So right. I think people may expect more out of him than what the position requires. Sure. Um, I talked to Councilman Colin Welch, and he was saying, you know, um, he's just the bad, he's been the bearer of bad news. Yeah. And we're going to have to step up in his absence and deliver our, our own bad news right. now. So I don't know if that timing, and as far as the Franke case goes, I can't, 
I can't say that I know. Um, you know, Jackson ruled on it that there was some failure to comply with, with the city, that they didn't produce the documents that the city had ordered them to produce, and there was some drama about it at last night's council meeting. Right. Um, so, you know, just, and everyone has their own story there. So my thought is what is hard about these kind of things is when there's litigation involved, um, I will say I always feel bad. Yeah. Because only one side can really talk, and right. that's rough. You know, and I do always want to get that other side of the story, but when yeah. there's litigation, it's just it's like, hard. hands yeah. are tied, I right. can't say anything, there's pending litigation. Right. So that is, that's rough on, on being a journalist, sure. and surely on the people involved yeah. you know so yeah I can imagine it's hard to to be able to to be a Hanabalian right and to try to be fair and just in mm -hmm. your um, journalistic endeavors yes but uh, you know I think staying with the truth and just transparency yeah you know and, and I know that's one thing that they were talking about City Council uh, perhaps more transparency would have helped avoid some of this. I, I don't know, so. but I, I think so. I think <laughs> that's a big part of it. I, I think the question for people is, you know, why did the email go out in July and then everybody gets wind of it months later and right. then there's an investigation? I think that's a big question on right. everyone's minds, you know, is yeah. why did why did it take the public knowledge for them to, you know, and why to pony up information. Yeah, yeah, and why didn't the, you know, why didn't the, they tell the public right when the email was received and then go ahead and yeah. start that investigation. So I think there's there's all of those questions yeah. there and, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, trying to get what we can and report as fairly and properly yeah. as we know how. Completely. Yeah, yeah. sure. So, and there's always, it seems like more drama these days within local governments, but I think it's because people are holding local government more accountable. Yes. And in my mind, and I don't know what the mayor's you know total responsibilities are, but in an age where you are being held more accountable and there seems to be more drama, I don't think $3,000 would be enough for me to stay either, no matter how connected I am. I now, yeah. it, that's just my personal opinion. I don't Mine know. Mine too. Mine yeah, too. I don't know anything about uh, how things work here. Yeah. Um, I also think as far as paid leave, I'm going to put in a request to Bob that I get six months paid. And he's shaking his head back there. I mean, that's, that's quite a gig. And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, that, that she, I'm not saying she deserved one thing or another or doesn't deserve this. I, I don't know all that. I'm just saying, you know. Um, regardless of what comes out of it, hopefully everybody gets a piece of justice and we can, yeah. you guys can move on yeah, um, and maintain the trust of your community. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's the biggest thread through it all is that the community um, wants to trust uh, the city government, yeah. you know? I mean, there's so many coming in saying transparency, transparency, and, you know, I mean, that's, and that's what it's supposed to be. Right. You know, people want to know, and, I mean, it's... They should. Yeah, and they, they should, should be able to know. Yeah. So, and I think that's the, the main thing. And yeah. then, then, if they know, then all of those conspiracy theories go away. Yeah, right? <laughs> because if you don't know, if you don't know the uh, the true facts, you make up your own story. Absolutely. And those stories get wild. Yeah, and, and then you put it on Facebook. Yeah. And then everybody starts to believe it because who doesn't love a little bit of drama? Yeah. Right? Right. So as much as we want transparency, we also really thrive on the drama of things. Yes. Uh, so transparency definitely helps yeah. make some of that in the bud. Yeah. Well, I will say um, thank you for, you know, I know that sometimes it's not easy on you uh, to, to delve into some of this stuff. Yeah. But it, it's hard because yeah. I care about 
everybody. So many people here and everybody here. So it's yeah. hard. I don't, I want to be fair. Yeah. And that's my biggest thing. Yeah. I just want to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say to uh, help, you know, kind of facilitate that, if you can be honest and transparent, then there you go. Yeah. Well, I say keep up the good work. I'm, Thank you. I'm super happy you got your own digs. Thank you. And I'm glad we have a place to go to the bathroom when we're down here for any event. Right. Awesome. Yes, you do. And just come and camp. I'm right. There. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. Congratulations. Thank I'm glad you. you found your new home. And yeah. we're Thank so, you. we're so, so, happy to have so you. excited. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming down. Of course. Always good talking to you. Coming up, David Adam talks to Mr. Dan Sherman about his Lifetime Achievement Award. A great night's sleep starts at Harvey's Furniture. Check out the large selection of complete bedroom sets. And when it comes to mattresses, we have a full selection from Vemco, Spring Air, and Chatham and Wells. Harvey's Furniture. Our home, your home. Welcome to the Abbey, a Quincy tradition. With six big screens, a new larger kitchen, and now more seating capacity, the Abbey is the place to be before, during, and after the big game. Come enjoy fan favorite appetizers, steaks, burgers, and a variety of daily food and drink specials. Can't join us? Carryout is available too. Now with a convenient drive-up window to better serve you. 1736 Spring in Quincy. Opens at 3 p.m. Tuesday through Sunday. Come join all your friends at the Abbey, a Quincy tradition. And thanks for joining us this afternoon. My name is David Adam. I am the editor here at Muddy River News. And joining me today, it is a special treat. <laughs> I have known this guy for a long time. I've had spent many an hour at your home <laughs> house. Uh, playing wiffle ball in the front yard <laughs> or, or playing pool downstairs in the basement. Absolutely. Uh, but a great friend uh, for a long time, Dan Sherman. It is awesome for you to be here with me. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're, we're, the reason that he's here <laughs> is not because he had such a great place to play wiffle ball where, where they had the big tree in the front yard that yes. all the balls got eaten up. But instead, we're talking about the fact that you were just recently awarded the George Irwin Lifetime Achievement Award. You get the award at the uh, Park Band right. uh, concert here earlier this year. <laughs> I know you knew George Irvin, and, oh, yeah. and, and, and in the art world and the music world, he was that, does, that doesn't get that doesn't get much higher praise. He was than, an icon. He yeah. really did so much for the community, with involvement, and you know, getting all the things done with all kinds of programs, et cetera. So yeah, he did a great job. What was it like to? I mean, I know that there's. You've, you've, you know, you, they had a, a big party for you when you retired. You've been given <laughs> other awards. But to me, it's sort of like the George Irwin Award, at least in Quincy. That's kind of like, okay, that's reserved for the best of the best. What, did you, what was it like when you found out you were going to get that honor? Real nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, that week was kind of, I got two different awards, Monday and Wednesday. This, you know, I got one from the Quincy Public Schools. So I'm saying I'm very humbled by it all of them. Oh. Know, very much so. And I said, and I said to my, I told Pam, my wife, that's enough, okay? <laughs> I'm really satisfied. It's beautiful. I really, I'm very honored for yeah. all that. So, much. okay, now a lot of people, you know, you've been here for a long time. You started teaching music in Quincy in 1964, but right. not a lot of people knew that you were born and raised in Chicago. So, Chicago. how did you end up here and why'd you stay here? <laughs> that's a good question, but I'll tell you what it is. All right. Uh, got a scholarship. My dear friend went to Leo High School in Chicago, and my best friend, and we, Dr. Laverne Wagner came to Quincy, uh, in Leo High School, mm -hmm. where we went to school in Chicago. And he both, we performed for him, and he offered both of us a scholarship to go to Quincy College. I never even heard of Quincy. 
<laughs> be honest with you. Sure. And of course, that was the best thing ever happened to me. Right. Because we both went there and uh, four year scholarship. Met my dear wife there. She was came in as a freshman. And then right after that, I worked a year of my master's, but then I, I never really left Quincy because Pam was still going to school there. Mm -hmm. We were engaged. So I came back and then uh, the principal of the junior high uh, came by you know, at school when I was in university, graduate school. Mm -hmm. And they, he invited me to uh, come and see him in Quincy. I said, oh, sure. And he gave me a job. First part of the job was going to be teaching general music and civics. <laughs> can you imagine? I can that? imagine you as a civics teacher. <laughs> and so I said, "Well, I took it." Sure, and of it, course. It worked out beautifully because about a week before I was supposed to, uh, Pam and I got married that summer. And then we started working right away. A week before, then the gentleman who was doing the choral music at Quincy Junior High left. Okay. And then they gave me the job. And the rest is history. Because I, I taught five years there at a junior high in 1969, I went into the, started a choral program mm -hmm. there over 45 years. Right. That, yeah. So, where does the love of music stem from? I can only imagine oh. growing up in your home in Chicago. Yes. If because I was at your home as an adult with three boys there, there was always somebody banging on a piano or somebody was oh, yeah. singing. I have to imagine that came from your home that you were up in Chicago. Absolutely. My mother was a really talented piano player. And they, you know, I started in going to Leo High School. I played in the band and mm -hmm. there. And then, like I said, I got a scholarship to Quincy College back then. And it was my mother. She was an outstanding piano player. Right. And we, music was always part of our family. Always, you know. Right. Uh, we would have times that we'd sit around the piano at home, and f my wife, my, my I should say my mother was so gregarious, she had people coming over. and they I would cannot imagine your mom being <laughs> gregarious. And she was coming over there, and people come over and sing sure. and play the piano. And, uh, you know, and of course, then I started taking drum lessons when I was very young, and our family was very musical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, one of the first things, I, I could be wrong about this, but for all the work that you've done, uh, in the arts and in music here in Quincy, I think most people probably remember the work that you did with the high school musicals. Yeah, right. I think, you know, that's what they remember. It was the thing that was the last thing they possibly even did in, a, in an art standpoint before yeah. they left high school. The first one I read was My Fair Lady right, back in 1969. That's right. Did you have any idea what you were doing? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I figured as much. No, I was... Uh, <laughs> But you know, um, I I had a vision though. I could see what was wrong uh -huh. or what was right. Yeah, and that you know, it's up here. And I had a lot of support back then too. And of course, I had wonderful young people to work with. And that would be my, that would be something I would say to everybody. All the years, 40, 50 plus years, the music program, the Quincy, has some of the very best students. Sure. And they made me look good. I always say that. Yeah. Uh, and My Fair Lady was a challenge. Uh, Bill Ure was the director back then of the theater director, and he was a big help. And the two of us came together, and my dear wife would come and watch rehearsals, and she would tell me this and that, you know. But, you know, I always uh, felt that uh, I could see. I could see what's not looking good. My brother, who was really involved in theater in Chicago, mm -hmm. he said to me, you know, that, that, was, that was the key to me, was he says, if it doesn't look good to you, it's not going to look good to anybody else. Mm -hmm. and that's what I went by, you know, the whole process, you know. And I had a lot of support too. Back sure. Then too. Uh, 
not only were you doing the musicals, but you were also teaching public school music, parochial school music. Yeah. You had the swing choir. You had the madrigal choir. <laughs> Was there anything after you look back at your career where you go, I really wish I could have done this? Because there were so many things that you did. Did you miss out on anything? I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, I had, like I said before, I had some wonderful, wonderful students. And working with them, and when, especially when I started working at the high school, they were so supportive because the director before me was very popular. And mm -hmm. you know, I, but I had been—they all knew me because I taught them in junior high. Right. I in the movement, and they, it was terrific. And uh, uh, they were very supportive of that change. And of course, I had, like I said, a lot of those students in junior high. Right. You know, uh, teaching them, and it, it worked along pretty well. You know, and I'll tell you what, one of my person would tell me if things don't look right or not would be my dear wife yeah. oh yeah <laughs> i can't imagine pam having any opinions for you on any no, of that she's stuff. a wonderful musician herself and wonderful singer and uh, she would say you know i really respected her opinion sure and she says it's looking good and it, that support system was really helpful yeah. and the support system of all the people uh, the teachers especially junior high when they first started there and then the high school that was a wonderful move for me to go to high school and I felt real comfortable because I had most of those students yeah. at junior high. Mm -hmm. So, and then the program grew and uh, musicals, uh, you know, that first year was a little bit shaky, but that was a good musical. And like I said before, my brother would say, if it doesn't look good, you just, it's not gonna look good anymore. Yeah. It was very simple. But I, 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 had, I had an idea what music should sound like. Sure. You know, what it has to be good, theater part of mm -hmm. it. And, and you know, so it all worked out good. Very lucky. You know, the fact is, is you taught kids of all ages right. for many, many years. Is there a right time for a child to start music? Is there ever a wrong time for a child to start music? I don't think there's ever a wrong time. I think uh, usually in instrumental music, they started pretty, you know, they like to get them started like fourth and fifth grade. Mm -hmm. and, then, and they try to keep them work through the whole program. Uh, vocal music, uh, it's a little bit different, you know. Uh, you have like a junior high when I had that. I had a lot of kids interested in singing. Mm -hmm. and I b built that program pretty good. Well, you had and the two I, different choirs as well. Oh, had a whole bunch of choirs. Yeah, and I loved it. And they, and you know, and, and they were good. They were really good. And of course, like I said before, uh, they were ready to sing. And you take a different approach to the, the vocalization when they're younger, of course. Right. And, and when they get to high school. So the transition for me going from junior high to high school. It's no problem at all because I had all those students at junior high. And Did you ever have any any students who would come up to you in the high school and say, "I've never done any of this before. I ne I didn't take instrumental music classes in the fourth grade. I've never, but I want to get involved." Yeah, I, that's happened not often. Usually, a transition going from involved or in early grade school and junior right. high. But if someone would come up to me, we had enough. We have choirs. We had the top choir, and then we had other choirs. And if somebody really wanted to sing, I, I was welcome them. Yeah, that, you know, I always thought that you know, you know, sometimes young people don't have the voices when they're young; it hasn't developed yet. Mm -hmm. And I would take those kids in, in and the, the group, not the best group, but and I had a, a, a one of my students, a sophomore, he couldn't even hardly cover, do a pitch, couldn't sing hardly. But a senior year, he was a leader. No kidding. Yeah, it, it just. It takes time sometimes. Sure. So you got to be patient with those students. 
<laughs> and they eventually moved into the top program. And you've had some people who have gone on to, <laughs> oh to sing and perform oh, yeah. at some unbelievable uh, venues throughout the world. How many, how many of them have you had a chance to actually go watch on, on Broadway or in Chicago? Not or, really. I didn't get a lot of chance to do that. Because you're probably here working. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, didn't get a chance to do that much, but I always would follow them and, yeah. and know what they were doing. Uh, you know, I, was, I would hear good things about them. I know. Okay, so I, I believe you. Re when did you retire? Twenty oh two oh twenty. I don't 20, know. <laughs> you 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 retired. Okay, let's just say you retired. All right, but I that's only like, from the from the schools. You're still involved. Oh yeah. For, in a, in a, what do you do now to keep your fingers on the in in the musical scene, but not necessarily do it forty hours a week? Or I'm sure when there are like, other times more I than like that. I like to go over to the high school and talk to the staff. I talk to the secretaries. I love them. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. I have to be somewhat part of that somehow. And I'll, it's too I'll, much of your part of your blood, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. And and I love to watch the rehearsals. Mm -hmm. And I like to go talk to the, like Paul Shuler, the choir director there now. I, I love to go up to him and say, "Hey, this is really looking good." And I like I just like to be part of it a little bit. You know, not like I used to be though. Right. These last couple do. I'm slowing down a little bit. <laughs> I'm not getting any younger. That's okay. But the fact that you're still with the oh, park yeah. band and and, oh, yeah. and that you you're still you're still there. I mean, you've been doing this since 1964, yeah. and yet you're still a, a part of the of the musical scene. It's, it's just like a part of your soul, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't totally give it up. You know, yeah. I'm getting older. I can't do as much as I like to do. Let's stay home, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I. I I like to take pride in how they're doing things, you know, especially the program, the high school, yeah. and they're doing great. I just like, and I, of course, I would never miss any of the performances, like New Faces right. or, or the, you know, Vespers and all that. And usually, a lot of times, I would go talk to the students and just say, "You're doing great," you know. You just have to have that touch with the young people a little yeah. bit, and because I, I miss that. that, I miss that big time. Yeah, I can imagine. And I had some of the. Most talented students, you know, I can't name all the names. I can't keep. Oh, track. sure. They've gone on and do amazing things in music, you know. Uh, so it's fun to look back at that. Dan Sherman, this has been fun. <laughs> we did not get to talk about the Cubs, the Sox, the Bears, the Blackhawks. Hey, we so, we could do an, an entire another segment well, the on Sox that. Sox beat Yankees yesterday. Well, see, there you go. <laughs> you got to have something to to hang your head on. Thank you. I appreciate it. And congratulations on the award. It's very, oh, it's very, so that's very nice. We're going to send it back to uh, Hannibal to talk to Bob and Ashley and to Megan uh, for the last segment of our Daily Muddy. Thanks, David. Dan Sherman has always been one of my favorites. So this awesome, uh, this awesome achievement is definitely earned. Uh, and especially, you know, the office here has definitely been earned by Meg. Well, what a great day. What, yeah. what some great stories, right? Yes. Good absolutely. stuff all the way around. Even yeah. if there are a little bit of uh, hiccups here and there with some always. local governments, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it happens. It's right, and it gives us something to report on. So <laughs> That's right. there you go. All right. Well, I think that does it for today's Daily Muddy. Catch us here tomorrow for some Club Muddy. Muddy River News, our home, our news.